What we do here is go back, 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 back. He had every, every bit of Chinese takeout and a six pack of Sprite. Welcome, everybody, to the Raider Take Podcast. I am Mike McDonald. With me, as always, Andy McDonald. And we got a hell of an episode for you guys today. Um, To go over kind of quickly, we got our uh, Mortal Locks of the Week that we're going to touch on. Um, We added a a new segment and then also going to kind of tweak our preview segment a little bit as well. After the Mortal Locks, Andy's going to go into a film breakdown of one play from the previous game. Um, to kind of just take it step by step on you know what we were doing, um, what the team was doing, formations they were in, things that they did, and potentially on how it might transition into helping us in this upcoming week. Um, after that, we're going to jump right into the preview. I am going to take the, the Raiders offense aside and Patriots defense aside. I'm going to essentially kind of break down the Patriots defense and fill in a few, few ways on uh, how we might be able to exploit it, how we might be able to work well against it. Um, from there, Andy's going to go into Raiders defense against the Pats O. Um, just get in depth with that. And that's kind of our little switch up we're doing, diving more into the the other team to try to you know give you guys an idea of what we're going up against on Sunday. Um, after that, we're going to go to our predictions for the game, score predictions, outcome, and all that. And then finish it off with some questions from the readers. So we got a jam-packed episode for you, and I'll uh, I'll kick it over to Andy. What's uh, what's your you know bring you back home mortal lock of the week this week? <laughs> oh man, it's so hard. It's um, I feel good. I feel good about this week. There was um, many things that I was considering as far as. Um, the spread is concerned and, and, and where am I going to go? I, I am on too. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. I want everyone to know that I, I hear you. Um, and I also take this seriously. Um, and, and I also don't want to lose my own money, you know? So those are all factors of how I feel about the very slate. Important so, factors. <laughs> yeah. Very important factors. And, and I do, you know, want to make sure I don't misguide anyone. Uh, this is just my opinion take it for what it is. But at this point I would just listen to Micah. Um, and, and so there are a couple of games that I was, I was considering, I was considering, um, the Cardinals at, um, sorry, at home against the lions. I believe they're five and a half point favorites. Um, that was a little tricky because I feel like the Cardinals are better. Um, but the lions, they're pretty desperate. They're own two. I think, I mean, they've been, the first game of the year that they led and and they've been fighting. And I was like, I'm a little, I'm a sick away from that. But what I ended up deciding on doing because I think it just worked out was the Packers are traveling to new Orleans and they're plus three and a half point dogs against the saints. And this is not a recency bias. This is not because the fact the saints lost to the Raiders, but 
I think it's a little disrespectful. I, I think that the Packers are a lot more well-rounded. I think they, they bring a certain edge about them where Rodgers is on his revenge tour and then he's trying to prove to everyone that he should have drafted Jordan Love. I'm still the guy. I got four or five more years of me, what have you. So I'm going to take the Packers three and a half points on the road. If they lose by a field goal, I still cover. And you guys maybe, maybe will start believing in me. But um, I think overall, the the Saints offense is, is not as explosive as we saw on Monday night. Um, they took advantage of the Raiders defense, which is, as you know, not as expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not not too much to write home about. So um I'll I'll get into that a little bit more a little bit later. But I do think the Packers go on the road to New Orleans where, you know, historically is, is a loud stadium in the Superdome, but no fans. I think they handle their business. I I would bet them I'm gonna say <laughs> this and it's Thursday night. Dude, dude, I swear to God, I'm like, I'm not betting this game. I will not bet this game. And now I'm like I should bet this game, you know. There's but a bunch of reasons I should. <laughs> there's a ton of reasons that I should, you know. But I'm like, no, I'm going to stick away from it. If anything, I'll just bet field goals or something else that has nothing to do with the spread. I do think the Packers handle their business against the Saints, and I feel good about that. I would take the Packers straight up on a money line because I think it'll give you good good juice overall. Um, I just, at the end of the day, what you saw on Monday night was no Michael Thomas. It was they should have ran the ball with Alvin, Alvin Kamara a lot more, in my opinion, um, and and I think that they just are strapped for weapons in a sense. And for the Saints to be favored by three and a half points, I think I don't know. I, I don't agree with it. I think yeah. it's, it should be a lot more closer to a pick'em at this point. But Packers are two and zero. They beat two division rivals, and and they're going to go in there. And I I think they're going to play competitive. And if they lose, they lose. But I don't think it's going to be that much. So. My mortal lock of the week, Packers, three and a half points in New Orleans. Don't trust me, but just, <laughs> man, if I hit this, come back to me. Come back to me, Raider take homies. Come, come on. I need you guys, right? Um, so I'm going to stay there. I'll stop there. I'll transition over to you for your mortal lock of the week. Well, no, I just was going to say I, I completely agree with that. I feel like I feel like the um, – you know, it's Aaron Rodgers, you know, and they got, they got a great defensive line as well. And it's like, it, it feels a little weird that that would be, they would be dogs like that. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I would, I would hit that one because they very well could easily, you could take the money line, like you said, with green Bay and feel very confident with it. Uh, my mortal lock of the week, um, is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. At what I'm looking at currently is a plus six and a half dog to the Eagles, which is unbelievable because I don't know how many healthy players the Eagles have left. Um, I feel like everybody is getting hurt. Um, they just had uh, got news that Jalen Rieger was going to be out for extended period of time. Um, Carson Wentz isn't looking that great, and Joe Burrow and that offense has been flying the ball pretty good. Um, I think that, I don't know. I just think they got enough in them to, uh, you know, I guess make an upset. I'm surprised with how bad the Eagles have looked and, you know, the Bengals are on two as well, but I feel like Joe Burrow has shown that he's that dude, at least so far 
went out and threw for almost 400 yards last last week. I think he had three touchdowns as well. Um, and they barely lost to the Browns. And uh, so I, I just I think that uh, this is prime for a prime for the Joe Burrow's first win of the year and a, a very very false spiral for the Eagles. So yeah, that's that's my moral lock. It's just trying to get risky here. You know what I mean? I'm flying off a two and zero um, of the mortal locks and I got, got some good juju going and that was some of that Monday night juju might've rubbed off on, on this week. So Dude, whatever. Okay. Like if, if you're listening at home and you're keeping track, just write this down, write this down, find the nearest sports book that you can go to and just pencil that in. Actually, no, write it in pen. Micah is on fire and, and I'm going to keep complimenting him until I overtake him, which may not be this year. So write it in. Bengals plus six and a half. Good for you. You know, you you could just like you're at the point where you can just <laughs> bet on the Bengals. You know, yeah. You're like, you know what, man? Uh, I'm just gonna fucking wing it and go Bengals six and a half. But guess what? It's gonna hit, and you know it. You know it's gonna. Hit. You know what's right. Um. All right. Well, I, I guess I can transition over to the film yeah. breakdown. Yes, definitely. If you're good with that. So, so the idea about this is is um. I thought it, it was a good idea to, you know, we, we're coming off, we do the recap episode and, you know, really it, it's like, it was Monday night, right? So, and then we, and we've taped this Monday night or the, our, our uh, recap episode at least. And, and we were like, it was all emotion. And it was all like, Oh dude, what did you think? You know, whatever. And I thought it was good, but I think it's also good to look at the film a little bit and be like, okay, like where did the game change? Right. Where did the, it, it, whether it was in the Raiders' favor or whether it was not. And I think we should be consistent in the sense of, like, if we do, when we do lose at some point, I'm, I'm not, you know, it's just inevitable, right? But I mean, when we do lose, like, 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 <laughs> yeah, we could just go, we already called it 19 0. Yeah. I'm the Dolphins, watch out. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's, it's, it's critical to, to look at it and be like, hey, like, when did the game change and when do we feel like, the, that adjustment was made or what have you. So we just happened to be coming off a W on Monday night. So I wanted to break down at least one, um, one play that, and, and it might not have been the most important play of the game, but I, I feel like it was a change of momentum, especially from where we're at. So I'll, I'll jump into it. So um, the, the play I selected, which, which there were a number of, of plays that I, I could have picked or at least I could have dove into, but, I really thought it was um, it was when the score was seventeen to seven. The Saints were up, right? So, second quarter, um, one minute forty nine seconds left. Um, it was third and nine on the fifteen yard line in the second quarter, which I already said. Um, so, what happened was the Raiders had the ball and they're driving. Um, DC, the play before, had just thrown the ball out of bounds, and we we're like, okay we're in a spot where we, we need points regardless, right? Because we're getting the ball back after half and, and we need to be able to capitalize on this drive. We're on the 15 yard line and, and we need to be able to make something of this, right? So what they ended up rolling out was um, an offense of, so we motioned Jacobs out of the backfield and we were empty. Okay, so we had five wide. So Jacob, Jacobs was flanked to the left we had Zay Jones in the left slot. Their defense matched us up where they had four down linemen um, and they had five DBs across the second line defense. So what I mean by that is 
is basically when you get into the 20 yard line, the, the lines of defense kind of change from a depth perspective. So the second line of defense ended up being basically where traditionally the linebackers sit and they had five DBs and one linebacker in the middle of the field. Okay. And they had a safety playing kind of like a center fielder, but he was in um, more on the right side of the, of the defense. And this is bad radio because I'm explaining the video um, over a podcast. Okay. So he was playing on the right, basically the second third of the, of the field on the right-hand side and they had dropped one. So they had four up front, six across the second line, and then one deep. Cool. So what that looked like is, is they were basically showing man coverage because they had five DBs, including a safety matched up on our five wide receivers. Right. And then they had one Mike, which was Demario Davis in the middle of the field that he ended up manning on someone. So they were showing, essentially they were showing man coverage and he, the linebacker, Demario Davis ended up taking Waller and they bracketed Waller with safety help, which was the safety and center field more shaded towards the right, you know, second, third, whatever you want to call it. And they bracketed Waller. So the, the play breaks down and Waller is in the right slot. He runs a corner route. Okay? So he runs a corner route. The backer stays with him. Once again, 17 to seven down two scores, third and nine, 15 yard line. So because there was a little under two minutes, we didn't have to get a touchdown, right? We didn't have to go for the end zone, but we wanted to show that we could threat the first down and also take a shot in the end zone. So they had the Mike linebacker matched up on Waller. They had the safety over the top and they ended up, it wasn't a, I guess, over under in a sense or like under over where they bracketed him that way. They kind of bracketed him where the backer was chasing Waller on the inside. They had the safety on the outside third to where they would threaten regardless and double team him because he was obviously a factor and a factor throughout the rest of the game. So we had Aguilar, we had Renfro, we had Jacobs running short intermediate routes. I believe Jacobs ran a curl. Renfro ran an out and in. So we were still threatening and, and still trying to, hey, we'll take what we get from that sense and we'll still take the first down. But what ended up happening was is we had Zay Jones in the left slot who ended up running a corner route, but at the top of his corner route, he kind of rounded it or flattened it, however you want to call it, basic based off of the coverage. So how it broke down is that he got one-on-one coverage with the safety that was plain center field and ended up dropping to the left third. Okay. So we had one safety on the six man across in the second level that dropped to the right third of that bracket of Waller. And then we had one-on-one coverage with a safety that was playing center field that ended up drifting left. If you're watching the game, you know, you would see left to right, or I guess right to left. Um, he ended up one-on-one with Jones. And so everyone bit close basically five of the six bit close one dropped the safety over the top took Jones and he ended up flattening his route out because of the coverage that he saw. If he, if that safety bit in, he would take it to the back corner and DC put it right in the money 
great catch by Jones. I have to say that, but I also believe that it was the only spot that Jones could have caught it where it would have been conflicted with the safety. Balls yeah, in the money. Fantastic. Touchdown in. Right. And so the significance of this is that we spread the defense. We use Waller as a distraction and the Raiders MO is dink and dunk. Let's just get the next first down to get to the next drive or whatever. Right. And then we could have been fine taking, you know, Renfro over the middle Jacobs or what have you and settled for three, but we ended up taking a shot. And I think it's important because we, that changed the the momentum of the game where we were down 10 really quick. We were down 77 pretty quick. And that turned, you know, the Saints offense into being more aggressive on the next drive, which turned into an interception that you had talked about on the recap episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up tying it at the half, right? So I feel like because we, we began to be aggressive, that transitioned into the second half of, of the game and, and really shifted the momentum in that sense. So the reason that's important is because in New England, they're, they're going to, they basically make you play left-handed, right? So it's like, Hey, you, you're right-handed. We're going to make you play left-handed or what have you. It's like, we're going to take away your strength to make you emphasize this. So regardless of whether Josh Jacobs status and he doesn't practice the whole week, he's going to be there someday. And I, and I believe that And if I'm wrong, that's fine, but they're, they're going to take away Jacobs and they're going to be like, we still have a plan for Waller. And because of that, we're going to have to emphasize the Zay Jones of our team. We're going to have to emphasize Aguilar or Edwards or Ruggs or what have you. Right. So we have to be able to put ourselves in a situation where um, we can take advantage of their third, fourth, what have you, you know, rotation of of defensive backs outside of um, Stefan Gilmore. So it was a big play in that game. It shifted the the transition for sure. And and going into kicking the ball off at 17-14 compared to 17-10 changed the dynamic of the game and, and how the Saints approached their next drive, which ended up turning into a interception. And and I think, you know, with with how they with how they rolled it out, with how with how the Raiders adjusted, I think it was it was great and it was critical for us to be aggressive. And that was the only way we were going to change the the slate of that game. So I also think we're going to be in a situation where we have to adjust on the fly with Bill Belichick calling the defense of, of New England. And but before I get way deep into that, I will let you transition over to the Raiders offense versus the Patriots defense into our preview. How are you feeling going into that? Uh, I, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, we've seen how potent the offense can be, um, and I feel like as long as Waller's healthy and Jacobs is healthy, because they both have been, you know, out this week and whatnot. I, I feel like they're just getting some rest from, you know, for a short week and whatnot, but um, I feel good about it. Um, biggest thing, they had a couple guys opt out because of the coronavirus. So you're missing Patrick Chung, their starting safety and starting strong safety, I believe. And um, uh, Dante Hightower, one of their starting linebackers, big time positions in need that, have played on that defense for a while are, you know, essentially veterans there and captains of the defense. Um, so to touch on the Patriots defense a little bit, they run a base three, four defense, um, which basically entails that they got three down linemen uh, head up over this center two head up over the tackles. You got four linebackers on that second level. Um, two of them lined up over the guards 
two of them lined up on the outside, basically filling in the gaps where the offense or defense alignment aren't. And then usually you got four DBs across the backside. Um, what that allows for, it allows them to uh, dial up a bunch of blitz packages. Um, they could essentially send two or three guys, one, two, three guys, and still have linebackers in the dropping back and for coverage and whatnot and kind of allows them to have more uh, versatile guys out on the defense, having more linebackers and defense alignment. Um, I think how that helps the Raiders offense um, is in a sense that a lot of uh, kind of one way that you beat a three, four defense is um, a lot of 12 personnel, 22 personnel getting two tight end sets really power running it um, and uh, behind the guards and trying to get, you know, get in the gaps where they're not having the guards chip and reach second level to get on the linebackers. It, what's going to be very interesting is they have being that they're missing one of their, their main linebackers in the defense. They're going to have some young guys starting. We got some backup guys starting um, on the offensive line. So it's going to be very interesting seeing how they mesh, how they're able to chip, get off of blocks, get to the second level. Um, if we're able to kind of set the tone with Jacobs like we have been, like we did against the Panthers, like we tried to against the Saints, he ended up getting rolling. Um, I think you'll see a lot of two tight end sets in that sense because they can have, um, they don't necessarily have a strong side or a weak side. They can run to either side and then they can run a lot of play action off of that as well. You get the linebackers sucked up a little bit. Um, you see that they ran that, uh, that touchdown that Waller got. It was kind of like a little delayed block sleeped out to the right side and was wide open for a touchdown. Um, I feel like we see that a bunch, um, at least in the goal line. You see some spider two wide bananas a few times, um, really just trying to you know do whatever they can to get the linebackers sucked up. Um, I'm glad that you chose the play that you did as far as like describing the defense that they were going up against because one of the things that the Pats are best at is essentially that cover one defense that you were explaining where they – basically are manned up or show man all across the board with their DBs. They got a high safety that's playing zone roaming around and the Patriots tend to have a linebacker that is kind of playing that intermediate middle where he kind of floats around there. Um, so you think best thing to, to try to take that apart, running slant routes, stuff over the middle, just basically getting your receivers running away from their defenders what the Pats do really well in that sense is they have a thing that they call a man match technique, where if a guy's coming across that safety, that's deep floating or that linebacker that's in the middle floating, they'll just pass them off. And that guy will take the crossing guy. And the guy that was on the crosser will just drop back in that middle section and become that free floating zone player. And they're really good at doing that. They're really good at passing things off and switching around, um, and kind of just keeping that covered. So it's going to be very interesting how they do dial up. Um, like you said, we kind of like game, you know, their MOs like short passes, not necessarily dink and dunk, but like quick stuff outs, slants, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the Pats have been one of the best last year. They were the best team at, at essentially shutting down the middle of the field and keeping teams from doing that. So um, it's going to be very interesting. I think that, being playing in that type of cover one defense when you're having to uh, rely on people knowing when to switch and, you know, feeling comfortable with the people behind you, the people in front of you missing their strong safety 
Patrick Chung and missing their signal call and signal caller and Dante Hightower is going to be huge. And I'm hoping that we can kind of exploit um, that aspect of it. You, like you said, we have Stefan Gilmore on one side um, at the corner, one of the best corners in the league. He was, you can actually, I think it'll be out tomorrow, but you can read on just blog, baby. Um, I put out an article on four players to watch and he was one of them because he, one of the best shutdown corners last year. He had 84 straight snaps without allowing a touchdown, or 84 straight targets without allowing a touchdown. I mean, it's, Reigning defensive player of the year. Yes. That's all we got against us. Yeah. Um, so I imagine they're going to go uh, just the opposite side of wherever he's at a lot. Um, but you also got on the other side, um, one of the McCordy twins. Both of them getting up there. One of them's playing safety. One of them's playing corner. And on the other side of safety, they've got, um, I think it's Adrian Phillips, younger mm-hmm. guy, but essentially kind of a rotational guy, you know, and just really hoping that they can exploit the fact that they've got some key parts missing. They've got some age on the back end of that, of the defensive backs. And, um, you know, essentially some, some young guys trying to fill in uh, at the linebacker position. Um, I don't know. I, it's Bill Belichick, you know, one of the greatest coaching minds ever in the game. So like you said, it's going to be interesting how they kind of transition and and adapt and, you know, all those things to it. But I feel like with Gruden wanting to, you know, being that kind of guy that wants to like power run and pound and pound and pound. He likes his tight ends. He likes running his two tight end sets, you know, a powerful run game and dominating tight ends, I think is what's going to help us kind of, you know, survive this game or flourish in this game um, essentially. So, yeah. No, I I agree with you, man. I think it's a a big point because, we match up pretty well on, on our front five compared to their front five, right? I, I think we can push them around. They're relatively light on the defensive side, and, and I think that we're going to be able to move them a little bit. And um, similar to the Saints, in a sense, we have to just work the hashes. We have to work the numbers, and, you know, collectively, and, and I think it's going to be a big place to exploit. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a great call on your end as far as where we need to go. So um, um, I will all- transition out. Sorry, I, there was one last thing that I had to. I had oh, yeah. uh, um, I had seen something the other day um, that uh, Vic Tafer put out of some next gen stats of Derek Carr that he was thirteen for seventeen for one hundred and fourteen yards and two touchdowns against the Blitz against the Saints. Um, out um, on out on outbreak routes towards the sideline, he was fifteen for eighteen for one hundred five yards and three touchdowns. So you look at you look at a three, four defense that's got extra linebackers. They're probably going to try to dial up blitzes, especially with some young players on the offensive line. They're going to try to, you know, confuse them and all that kind of stuff. But luckily cars just been lights out against the blitz, being able to adjust. And like you said, on those outbreak routes, going towards the sidelines, going outside the hashes, it he's they, the offense, but car specifically has been, you know, as good as it gets. Yep. No, it's a great point. So, I mean, we, we really hope we're in the situation where they have to dial something up and they can't just man us up the whole game or, or sit in coverage and, and pick us apart. So, um, no, it's, it's a good read. And, and I think that 
if you haven't checked in on just blog baby i, I would recommend that it's a great great overall read from from micah there so um, um sorry i was just gonna say um that uh that we'll probably tend to probably see kind of a similar coverage that they do uh, that the saints did last week with, I remember uh, you were mentioning how they, um, they took their best corner and they matched him up on Brian Edwards. And they said, take away this big, huge receiver that is probably going to exploit any of our two or three guys and then try to bracket rugs um, with their next best corner and safety help over the top. Um, I think that we have the amount of speed and physical ability and the young receivers that we're going to be able to find people and get people open all over the field. But um, it just was, it popped my mind that I was thinking that, and also in the article as well, um, that uh, we could see very similar type of uh, game plan coverage wise um, that we did last week. So, Yeah. I, I think you look at it as, as um, how they have defensed, the chiefs in a sense, right? So it's like, you have a premier tight end, you have Tyree kill who I'm not saying Henry Ruggs is him, but the threat of him is, is very similar in, in a sense. So they would put the number two on Hill, right. And they would bracket him with a safety and they would put the number one on um, Kelsey. Right. And, and they would also, or, or shift him over to whether it's Sammy Watkins or Michael Hardman. So, what I think we're going to see the same thing is we're going to see some either bracketed on both sides of Waller and rugs, or you'll see Gilmore matching up with Waller, um, just trying to eliminate him and then um, bracketing rugs on the other side. So it, it's going to be interesting. It, it's going to be, you know, we'll, we'll see how it works, but I, I think they'll, you know, kind of work back and forth on, on how the game plan is going, but I'll, I'll transition over to the Raiders um, defense against the Patriots offense. And, and this is tough because, like, you know, in the last 20 years, you haven't had a game plan anything against the Patriots outside of Tom Brady. So here we go with Cam Newton. So my first bullet point is, is we have the Cam effect. So the first game, he went 15 for 19 for 155 yards through the air. So that was passing-wise. But he also ran the ball 15 times, 75 yards, two tugs against the Dolphins, which – what have you, they just upset the Jets, or not the Jets, but the Jaguars. You know, sorry for ruining this for you guys if you don't watch Thursday night. But um, So that was his, his his first game. But the second game, he threw the ball 44 times. And we're like, okay, just like we talked about in the pod, I'm like, I feel like they're being vanilla with their game plan. I think they're just like kind of showing Cam, kind of not. Um, but the second game, he threw the ball 44 times, almost 400 yards, one touchdown and ran the ball 11 times, 47 yards, two tugs. So it, it creates a dynamic where you take Taysom Hill from the last game and you're like, okay, well, this is the main guy. So we have to plan around him. And even Gunther said in, in his press conference where he was like, hey, if one guy is not on his right assignment, like the whole defense is fucked in a sense, right? So we have to have a plan for him game in and game out. And that and that's going to play in and play out. But – Really, they their whole focus and the problem is it comes down to Josh McDaniels against Paul Gunther, and I don't like those odds <laughs> at all. Right? Oof, I, don't <laughs> because, know, I don't know how many people do. <laughs> no, not at all. But basically, we kind of come down to where we have to have a game plan around Cam, right? And 
but also they don't they don't have a ton of options in, in the running back game, and that's what's really tore us up. But if you look at it, we had to go from Christian McCaffrey to Alvin Kamara, who are I would imagine are the top two or three running backs in the game right now. So what that brings is is, is our linebackers are going to be more center focus around cam off of the run in a sense. So whether it's read option and, and even in his first game, like I know he ran the ball 15 times, but out of, you know, watching the tape in a sense and, and actually diagnosing it is like eight or nine of those was because on the read option, the DN bit, just like we did to Jason Hill, you know, that one time in a sense. So I, I think it, he kind of takes what the defense gives him. Is still going to pose a threat, and and really like when you look at their options, it's Nikhil Harry. It, it's I mean Matthew Slater is, is is a special teams guy, but you have Julian Edelman, you have you know Devin Asiasi, who's a tight end. But it's like they don't have a ton of weapons on the outside that's really going to spread us out compared to what we've faced in in the first two weeks. So I, I think that that's kind of where our advantage is, is is where if we can be disciplined within the hashes and it's like the opposite of the Saints game is like we can be disciplined in the hashes then I think we can own this game right mm-hmm. so if we have our eyes constantly focused within our front seven and being able to control the line and also being able to understand where Cam's going where Edelman's going Nikhil Harris is questionable outside of that they don't have many other options Sony Michelle's banged up Damian Harris is on, on IR so it's like I feel like we have a, a really good advantage there but there once again, I feel like we're outmatched when it comes to Josh McDaniels versus Paul Gunther. So he's going to look at the Raiders save, which on the defensive side is not pretty in the first two weeks. But I think overall we have a good advantage there. I think we have a chance to take it. You know, if we can keep Cam in check and we can keep, and, and regardless of the fact that he threw for almost 400 yards last week against Seahawks, I think, I just don't think that's Cam Newton. I don't think that's who he actually is when it comes down to it. So Not a consistent I would Cam rather, man. yeah, I, I would rather take that and be like, okay, we'll have our young guys. Like this is the week for our young guys to match up with Trayvon Mullen, who's once again, didn't start until middle of last year and, and is our number one corner. And then Damon Arnett on the other side, who it's like, dude, just lock up with these guys. You can, you can roll with them. And, and let's go, you know, it's like, I, I feel like we can match up with these guys relatively well. The other factor is, is it, we're going to new England, you know, the benefit that we do have is they went from, you know, from their home to the Northwest back home in a sense. So if you look at it historically, like when we've played these 10 o'clock games on the East coast, it's usually when they have back to back home games. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we don't ever benefit from that, but it's like, but also they're chomping on the bit. They're one of one. And they're like, dude, we shouldn't have lost in Seattle. They had that Cam Newton run where they easily could have called a different play or even got in the end zone and, and, and been two and zero. So I feel like they're out, they're out for blood in a sense. And and I think they no one dude, I was so pissed. Sorry, I'm gone to change right <laughs> no. now. But I'm so pissed Let because <laughs> I was like watching, you know, we watched the game on Monday. We had the recap episode. And then I was like, dude, refresh your bleacher reporter. We're going to be good. Every interview after that was like, hey, here's why Drew Brees is on the down note. Yeah. And like the Raiders shouldn't have won. And it's like, bro, we didn't win on a last second field goal. We kind of like 
got her ass kicked in the first quarter and then dominated the next three quarters. And yeah, like, it was all how the no Saints one, lost and not how we won. 100%. And, and I was like, bro, what the fuck? Because, and, and I'm, if you guys aren't used to this, like I am a Raiders pessimist and I'm like, oh, here's why we're going to lose. And I'm always like kind of somewhat negative, right? And it's like, but I'm like, no, like we fucking earned that. We earned that win and we should, I'm like, if we, like if you would have told me we were going to win by 10 points on Monday Night Football, I would have been like, yeah, we should get a lot more press or a lot more whatever, right? But it's like, no, here's why the Saints are on the downturn and they're not who we expected them to be. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. So now I'm fired up and I'm like, dude, go on a short week, go to New England. This might contradict my prediction, by the way, but <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what the fuck, dude? Like, we we I feel like we played so well and we adjusted so well and, and we once again highlighted it on the recap episode, but I do think we have a chance if we can neutralize what they're trying to do, because I feel like what they're trying to do is what we did to the Saints between the hashes. Cam's gonna eat, he wants to run between the tackles. He but they honestly like Cam can't run 15 times a game for 16 games in the year, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, they're going to be like, okay, when can we spread the ball out? He threw the ball 40 times last week, whatever. So I, I, I do think they're going to try to take advantage of our young corners. We talked about communication. We have to get to the pass rusher. Like Crosby has to step up. Clee Farrell has to step up. Arden Key's got to get in there more, whatever. But I do feel like it's like, okay, well, I, I'm not threatened by the running backs. I think our from a receiver to a DB standpoint, we match up pretty well. Can the linebackers stay true and and then actually align with, you know, figuring out what set they're in, being able to diagnose what Cam Newton's doing? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, it's that was a huge tangent, but I do think that we match up pretty well, honestly, against them. And but at the end of the day, it, it, it's coaches versus coaches. It's McDaniel's versus Gunther, and I don't feel great about that. But at the end of the day, what is your prediction for Raiders? Patriots, Raiders on the road, 10 a.m., East Coast. Pats are favored by six points. Mm. We're 2-0. They're 101. What do you got? Well, um, I'll just say that I I agree with that wholehearted tangent that you just went on. I'm right there with you on it because I feel like anytime we've had success with stuff, even in that 2016 year, it was a lot of – felt like a lot of like this is how the other team lost it, not how the Raiders won it type of thing. That being said – we're 2-0, baby. We just went and beat the Saints. And no one's no one's riding higher on the Raiders than I am right now. Um, I think that's, that... That's a fucking fact right there. <laughs> I think that... Um, I Once again, it's, it's a game you look on the schedule and you're like, realistically, we probably lose this game. Right now, sitting here 2-0 after beating the Saints, we're going to go in and we're going to beat the Patriots too. We're going to set the world on fire and we're going to make a statement... Um, we're going to barely beat them. Um, my prediction is going to be 28, 24 Raiders. Um, they're going to more than cover, obviously. I think, I feel like, I guess we haven't, we haven't done enough, I guess, to get the respect, but being, you know, six point dogs to the Patriots right now, it's like, I mean, Hey, come on. We just want to have them put up 34 points on the saints. What are you talking about here? So by all means, I feel like you could you could throw uh, if you wanted to 
Mortal Lock 2.0 for the Raiders to cover on this one, but I think they win. I think we go on into, uh, you know, Foxborough and, you know, I think DC has some, uh, I think DC has some unsettled business um, in Foxborough because he got cheated out of a win his rookie year um, uh, against old Tom Brady and the Patriots. So um, I think. Damn I think, holding penalty. Yeah, damn holding penalty. It's on Gabe Jackson. It wasn't close. Yeah, I know. So bad. <laughs> Sorry. So it's, it's all good. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm more riding off of the high of, of how, you know, how this season's starting. Um, last time we started the season 2-0, and we went and dropped an egg in Washington. Um which I still blame your dog for. So, um, but anyways, uh, I think we're going to win this game against the Patriots. Um, 28, 24, we get the W, you know, it might not be the prettiest thing, but we pull it out. So what's your, what's no, your prediction? I, I love it. Um, I, um, I don't know. I feel like I, I felt it a certain way kind of coming into this call um, and into this pod. And, and I was like, you know, whatever, but we start talking and I start getting fired up and I get pissed off about how disrespected we are. And, <laughs> and you know what? I'm, I'm feeling a different way. Ooh. I feel like the Raiders go in there and handle business. I feel like the Raiders go in there and the, okay. Just from a projection standpoint, just from a looking at the depth chart, looking at the, you know, the film in a sense, it's like, they're not more talented than the saints. Mm-mm. Right. So it's like we had a lot more reason to step up when it was the first game of the Legion, Monday Night Football, what have you, right? So it's like these guys got to go. But I think we control the offensive line on our end. I think their D-line is a weak spot of their uh, of their, of their team. And, and I think we can go in there and establish our run. And, and once again, this is like it's Thursday night and, and Jacobs and Waller have not practiced. Yeah. Right. And Waller's like, no, I'm playing. And then Jacobs, he could not practice on Friday and still suit up on Sunday. So I, I think we go in there and I think we establish business. And I think we get some stops where we need to. And I'm going to be optimistic about the Raiders. Nice. For once, this year, 30-24, Raiders go in, handle business. Let's go. Let's go, baby. I love it. I love Let's that. Go. I love that within – a 10 minute time frame you just you just, you <laughs> I know, just switched on us because you're like this might counteract my, my prediction <laughs> no know. it didn't because well, we changed you <laughs> yeah well, well people have to understand is that i i am historically just pessimistic on the raiders like i'm it's like, being like realistic we, is what it is sure we can call whatever we want but <laughs> i'm i'm more often like dude like I, this is just who we are and then this is how it is and and we don't listen to the recap pod, which I imagine you guys did. I was like, this is a different team, right? So we're making adjustments on the fly. We're actually adapting and we have the depth to do so. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. Dude. I feel good about that. And I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm good with, with calling the rate. I'm not going to put them on the moral lock of the week, even though I predicted them to beat the spread by over 12 points, right? Mm-hmm, or 12 yeah. points in a sense. So um, we'll let, Anyway, anywho, I feel great about it. Let's rock this thing. And let's close this out with our questions from the RTP squad. That's mm-hmm. what I labeled them as. Yeah. Right. 
So our first question from Cubboy925, he says, hey, boys, what's your favorite Raider game you attended and why? So Maka, I, Maka, Maka, I'll let you have, (laughs) I'll let you have a stab at it first and then I'll jump in. Cool. Well, I, first of all, hot seat. B. Bauer, as um, (laughs) Raider Take Listener of the Year, we got some competition coming in. So Um, that's a very good question. Um, We have been to a lot of Raider games together. Um, So for all the people listening that don't know, Andy's birthday is in November area. We always would go to games. I'd get tickets for his birthday. It was kind of just a a yearly thing that we did. and my favorite game fell within that time frame, and that was in 2016. We went to uh, Raiders Jets, and one of the cool things about going to that is that's kind of one of one of the only ones that we went to just me and him. There's a lot of times that we had gone with friends, or um, you know, went with significant others, or anything like that. But this is the first time it was just me and him, and I actually had gotten. Um, seats that were four or five rows back on the jet sideline. And that was interesting because I rarely ever, we usually try to like we can sit in the black hole. Awesome. We kind of get tickets where, you know, we can, it's convenient, any of that stuff, but it's for the most part, you know what I mean? It's just about Raiders everywhere, but being on their sideline there um, was, was very interesting. Obviously we had a great year, 2016. We got to see Mac just absolutely destroy Geno Smith. Um, you know, we we killed him in that game, and um, it was just one of those things that you know the the tailgate's always fun. We always it always we always meet meet up with people or walk around check stuff out. Um, but like that game being where we were at on our side and just the just the atmosphere around it, and like I said, looking at all the previous games we've gone to when we've gone with other people or gone with um, significant others and stuff like that. That was one of the one times it was like just me and you just fucking rocking it and just getting after it on a very, you know, we don't always come across wins when we go to games. And so to blow out the jets and just dominate was, was really good. Yep. No, that that was a special time. And, And I told you before this, that it was, it was one of my two options and you chose it. So I'm like, cool. But it was it was me and you. Your favorite player of all time was C. Wood. He got it, he picked off Geno Smith, which you know whatever make of it as you will. But it was a nasty pick. We fucked the Jets up like absolutely. That place was rocking. It was so cool, um, and we had a good year on our end. So um, no, I, I thought that was a, a super cool moment, and, and it was you and I, and, and I think we rocked it we had a, a pretty good pregame going on and we rolled into that and we, we lit that place up. So um, I, I guess I will go with, because you chose that one, I will go with 1998. <laughs> so I was seven years old. <laughs> you were eight years old. Our brother had um, season tickets in the black hole. And so he, he was a diehard Raider fan and had taken some season tickets in the black hole um in Oakland they moved to LA he was one of the ones that stayed with them when they came back to Oakland and he's still on that you know he's in whatever you want, want to call engraved it. in the marble in, engraved in the marble of 
what was O.co. Um, also, being, just just so everybody knows, he still is a diehard Raiders fan. Was yes. he didn't pass away or anything? He's he's still he, alive. He's probably listening to this right now, but still with us. He, so yes, he he is listening, and he will give us some feedback on this. But he was he was the reason that we got into the Raiders, um, and I think that was a special moment because it was we went to our we went down to the bay, we went to Grandma Ruth's house, right, mm-hmm. and our. Um, our Christmas present that year was Chiefs versus Raiders. It was, the game didn't mean anything, right? (laughs) But we were so stoked to go to the black hole. um, And and we got there super early. It was me, you, it was Dan, who's our older brother, who's going to be listening to this and being so stoked that he got thrown out there. Um, (laughs) He was the one that, that owned the black hole. My sister was there. Jason Mays was there. And so we were in the front row in the very beginning, right? So they're kicking field goals or they're practicing, what have you. And then, um, so I got a football. So they were like doing everything and whatever. And they tossed the football, brought up to me. Awesome. You were right there. And they're like, well, we got to get this guy. Not as if like they didn't prioritize you, but they were like, Hey, mm. we're going to give this guy a football. We're going to give this guy a pass to the locker room. So we rocked that chiefs first Raiders game. Still have the pictures up there. And it's me and you, Timmy Brown, in in the locker room because you got that ticket. <laughs> Dan got a picture with John Ritchie, obviously. Uh, obviously. <laughs> you know, who the creator of the fullback assist. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just a, such a cool moment. And it, and it, like, I was seven, you were eight. It was just like, dude, this is why we're Raider fans. Um, Chester McLaughlin walking out this, with, like, 12, like, takeout trades. It was Mo Chinese Collins, food. actually. Oh, Mo Collins. So <laughs> it was Mo Collins who had... <laughs> Four yeah, all of, he had all of the takeout trays. I don't think there was any left for anyone else. <laughs> he had every every bit of Chinese takeout and a six-pack of Sprite. And he was like, do you need that much Sprite? And he was 365 pounds. And he was like, I for sure do. So I thought that was cool. It was just like one of those, like, I will never forget those moments. Mm-hmm. I we, bo- we both had the eye black. We were fucking rocking that thing. It was, it was so cool. So um, – big reason as to why we're this diehard Raider fans. If you're not a Raider fan, you're like, dude, that's fucking stories lame, whatever. But let's move on to our second late breaking question from the RTP squad, because he felt like he needed to get it in. He was attacked with his RTP listener of the year. B Bauer says, who is your favorite Raider backup player slash role player and why? Hmm. I'll take that over to you. Yeah, that 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 is another really good question, and that question actually, um, ironically enough, kind of um, feeds into my favorite game that I went to. Um, one of the like coolest plays that I've seen, as close up as we were, um, was when I believe he got was it like a little dump out pa- dump off pass. It was like a little uh, dump off flat in the, pass in the flats. Gets over to the sideline. Taiwan Jones. I've never seen anybody just cut back and just jet down the sideline faster than he did. It was so unbelievable. And it was the sideline that we were on in the end zone that we were by. And we just saw everything unfold. It was so close. But that dude, I love that dude. He was just such like the return game as a running back in the slot. He did whatever they asked him to do. And I love the time that he had, that he had there. And I felt like definitely very, um, 
underrated player that was, uh, you know, part of some very dreary Raider years. Um, but that play just will forever stick in my mind. It was just one of the greatest things ever. I, I'm when we got these questions and I was like, Oh man, this is so awesome that I can like tie both of these in together. Cause it was, I think that was the last year he was on the team too. So, yep, absolutely. No, he, he was great. And, and it was cool because he was like a 97 speed and Madden. So yeah. you could always put him as your third down running back and he's just electric, but um, no great question. Good answer on your end. Um, he juked the fuck out of that dude on the jets and went to the house and we went buck nasty. But um, I have to stay true to my guy because he's so important. Um, and that's Bruce Gradkowski. Oh, so Bruce, <laughs> no. but Bruce was a backup and in, in, in like the worst years. Right. So it was like after the years that we made it, made a chance or sorry, made a shot to the, the Super Bowl in, in early 2000s, he was basically 2005 to 2014. He was like a on and off Raider guy. But he ended up starting against the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2009 in Pittsburgh. And we, we sucked, dude. It was so bad. But it was like you just like wanted those dubs for some reason because you're just like, we need to win once in a while. So we went to Pittsburgh and he put on a show, right? So it was against Big Ben. It was peak Big Ben. Um, he gets down there and, and – just listen to these names for a second. So in the fourth quarter, Gradkowski hits Chaz Shillings for a 17 yard pass. Okay. So, so, so then Steelers answer back 57 yards to the house, Santonio Holmes, no big deal. We go down game winning drive. Catch me if you've heard this before. Bruce Gradkowski, Bruce Gradkowski, Lewis Murphy in the back Ooh. of the end zone, Oof. 20, three-yard pass for the win, nine seconds left, we roll. Bruce Gratkowski was just the best backup quarterback of yeah. all time. Ingrained forever. Rocked the backwards hat, no big deal. You know, he was he was awesome. There was so many guys to pick from because we had so many backup players that just fucking meant nothing. But love the question. Bruce Gratkowski, Lewis Murphy in the back of the end zone. That's, that's how I roll. That's awesome. That's I And – Around that time frame, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Raiders played the Patriots one game and there was a record setting four people with the last with the last part of their last name is Ski on the field with Gronkowski, oh, yeah. Janikowski, Bradkowski, and Gostowski. And uh, Oh yeah. So was, many skis. Yeah, so many skis. And yeah, that that game was great. That dude was great. He'll he'll forever be like a, a Raider legend as the backup quarterback so oh yeah love the guy so um anyways we're stoked for week three patriots short week we're going into town we got to take care of business it's good to be able to intro this um i'm excited man so good content on your end um we'll see how this rolls yeah and appreciate everybody listening once again um go subscribe rate review um Share this on Facebook if you see it. Share it on Twitter if you see it. Um, go let us know how we're doing. Um, comment on, on Apple Podcasts. You know, DM me at uh, Raider Take Podcast at Take Raider. Uh, you can just hit us up. Let us know how we're doing. Send in questions. We got a, I got a few people running for the Raider Take Listener of the Year. Um, B Bowers got some got some people on his heels now. So get your questions in. Um, we love reading them and um, 
yeah, we appreciate all the support we get. Hope everyone on, enjoys the, enjoyed the preview and hope we can get that dub on Sunday. Let's go. We'll yeah. predict it. Exactly. All right. We'll see you appreciate guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. We'll see you all.